Just as we start, I'm just going to pray if that's okay. Um, Heavenly Father, we do just thank you for your life-giving word. We thank you that your word is a gift to us, and we thank you for the truth that it contains. Holy Spirit, we ask that you would give us insight and understanding. Enable us to apply everything that we read in your word. And we ask, Spirit of the living God, would you be our teacher, we pray, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Um, Jenny's coming round with some Bibles. If you put your hand up, she'll uh, pass a Bible to you. Um, just down the front here. Now, this morning, I am reading from the New King James Version of the Bible. Um, what we're giving out is an NIV, but hopefully we'll be able to marry the two things together. But I felt that we should read from the, N the New King James Version today. So before I start, I just want to summarise, um, because we were at Bell Champs last week, but the, week, the two weeks before that, um, we uh, started a sermon series called From Refugee to Royalty. And June and June is up back there, and Mike, they opened up the book of Ruth for us, bringing us a real helpful insight and an encouragement as to what's going on in the book of Ruth. So in Ruth chapter one, you'll remember that June talked about the friendship between Ruth and Naomi and how um, Ruth chose to remain loyal to her mother-in-law rather than abandon her. And it, the book of Ruth is really famous, isn't it, for those really special words that Ruth said to her mother-in-law, where you go, I will go. Where you stay, I will stay. Your people will be my people, and your God will be my God. And then Mike picked up the mantle and went into chapter two, and he spoke about faithfulness. So Mike talked to us about faithfulness, what it looks like, um, and what it is, essentially. And he encouraged us to be faithful to one another in our church family and in the surrounding area um, in Southend. So um, we all accept that we have been placed, I feel, by the Lord in this city centre community. Um, I don't think that's just chance or coincidence. The Lord has sent all of us here. This morning, I just want to take a glimpse, and a real little glimpse, at the future for Ruth and Naomi. So we've seen their friendship, we've seen faithfulness, and we're going to have a little glimpse this morning at the future for them. If you've got a church Bible, you'll find the reading on page 269. Now, at Bellchamps, I lost my voice, um, and it only came back on Wednesday, so I'm struggling a little bit this morning, but I'm going to give it my best shot. <laughs> So in the New King James Version, it says, the chapter opens, Ruth's redemption assured. Then Naomi, her mother-in-law, said to her, my daughter, shall I not seek security for you, that it may be well with you? Now Boaz, whose young women you were with, is he not our relative? In fact, he is winnowing barley tonight at the threshing floor. Therefore, wash yourself and anoint yourself. Put on your best garment and go down to the threshing floor. But do not make yourself known to the man until he has finished eating and drinking. 
Then it shall be, when he lies down, that you shall notice the place where he lies, and you shall go in, uncover his feet, and lie down, and he will tell you what you should do. And she said to her, all that you say to me, I will do. So she went down to the threshing floor and did according to all that her mother-in-law had instructed her. And after Boaz had eaten and drunk and his heart was cheerful, he went to lie down at the end of a heap of grain. And she came softly, uncovered his feet and lay down. Now it happened at midnight that the man was startled and turned himself. And there a woman was lying at his feet. And he said, who are you? So she answered, I am Ruth, your maidservant. Take your maidservant under your wing, for you are a close relative. Then he said, Blessed are you of the Lord, my daughter, for you have shown more kindness at the end than at the beginning, in that you did not go after young men, whether poor or rich. And now, my daughter, do not fear. I will do for you all that you request, for all the people of my town know that you are a virtuous woman, now it is true that I am a close relative. However, there is a relative closer than I. Stay this night and in the morning it shall be that if he will perform the duty of a close relative for you, good, let him do it. But if he does not want to perform the duty for you, then I will perform the duty for you. As the Lord lives, lie down until morning. So she lay at his feet until morning, and she arose before one could recognize another. Then he said, Do not let it be known that the woman came to the threshing floor. Also he said, Bring the shawl that is on you and hold it. And when she held it, he measured six ephahs of barley and laid it on her. Then she went into the city. When she came to her mother-in-law, she said, Is that you, my daughter? And then she told her all that the man had done for her. And she said, these six ephahs of barley he gave me. For he said to me, do not go empty handed to your mother-in-law. Then she said, sit still, my daughter, until you know how the matter will turn out. For the man will not rest until he has concluded the matter this day. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God rather long reading this morning right just keep praying for my voice as, as you guys are there so <clears throat> this morning I only have one question really for us and that question is how can we bring hope to our city of Southend here in the pages of Ruth we see this wonderful love story but we also see something else we see that Almighty God is missional. God delights to work in and through Naomi, Ruth and Boaz, ordinary people. And he delights to work in and through ordinary people like you and like me. And many of us are familiar with this story, um, this book of Ruth. I'm sure it's loved by so many of us. And the opening scenes, we see, Ruth, uh, see Naomi as this grief-stricken woman. Naomi seems stuck in the 
depression stage of grief. If you've ever looked at the cycle of grief, you go through various stages and there's a depression stage. Um, and it feels like Naomi is stuck in that stage. She comes across as overwhelmed, hopeless, helpless. Um, and to be honest, she even comes across as a little bit hostile. And if you have got the opportunity to talk to anybody in this town, if your job or if you're out and about in our town, you can come across people that are very similar. The emotion they express, they may come across as depressed, as hopeless, helpless, or overwhelmed here in our city. Now, you know, I really can relate to what Naomi was feeling. She, it was like she lost everything. She lost her husband. She lost her two sons. She lost her protection, her security, and her future. And many people in our community and even in our church family can really relate to a strong sense of loss. And loss can come in different ways. People can lose a loved one. Um, you could lose your job. If you come upon hard times, you could lose your home. Some of us have grown up without a really um, affirming childhood. So you can live with a sense of loss of a childhood in that you were just sort of pushed into adulthood really, really quickly. Um, people just experience loss in different ways. And I'm very aware that there may be even people in here right now who are in the middle of experiencing some deep pain of loss or people listening online. And I would really encourage you to reach out to someone in the church family and don't struggle sort of alone. Like Naomi, you may feel or have felt in your lifetime completely abandoned. So much so that you may be able to identify with the angry Naomi that we see in the book of Ruth. And I call her the angry Naomi because this is some of the words that she declares in Ruth chapter 1 verse 21. The Lord has caused me to suffer and the Almighty has sent such tragedy upon me. And I wonder, if we're honest, whether we've ever been in a situation where something bad has happened and we just literally blame God. And I know that I have. I've been in that situation. And if any of you have been on an Alpha course, attended or led or just joined in, you will hear consistently on an Alpha course, people will come along to Alpha and they will ask the same question. Why does a good God allow bad things to happen to good people? When this happens to us, we can find ourselves in a place of really pushing against God, running from God, not even wanting to hear anything about God or Jesus, and we try to get as far away from him as we can. We may try to get away from him, but he never gets away from us, ever. And although Naomi was angry with God, the thing that strikes me about her is that she never forgot God's character, God's ways, or his will. She was very in tuned, and I feel very sensitive to that. And perhaps as we go through that story, we see in chapter two that Naomi goes back to her hometown. And I wonder whether being back in her hometown amongst her relatives, whether that helps her to process her grief. Because something changes for Naomi in this story, and the writer of the book of Ruth brings us right to the point where hope arises. And it's at that point that Naomi realizes 
God is at work. God is on mission in the details of her life. And I just want to read something from chapter two. This is a dialogue between Naomi and Ruth. So imagine the scene, Ruth gets home from work, okay? So she just come in from work. Naomi asked her, so where did you glean today? Whose field? God bless whoever it was that took such good care of you. And Ruth told her mother-in-law, the man whom I worked with today, his name is Boaz. Naomi said to her daughter-in-law, why God bless that man. God hasn't quite walked out on us after all. He still loves us in bad times as well as good times. Naomi went on, that man, Ruth, is one of our circle of covenant redeemers, a close relative of ours. Now, it may be really difficult for us to visualize this in our modern culture, because I don't know what work any of you kind of do. Some of you I know, but not all of you. But I don't know if there's anybody that works in fields or on farm or anything like that. But when I'm reading through this book of Ruth, the thing that just hits me is there has got to have been more than one field to work in. There must have been several. And here in the book of Ruth, we see a string of just so happened moments. And we don't want to miss those just so happened moments because something else is going on here. God is on mission. It just so happened that in all the fields that Ruth could have chosen to glean in, she chose the exact field owned by Boaz. And remember, the Bible tells us that Boaz was a wealthy man. He must have owned several fields in that community. And it just so happened that the day she went to glean in the fields, that Boaz chose to visit that exact field on that exact day at that exact time where he encountered Ruth. And of all the servants who were gleaning in the field that day, it just so happened that Boaz noticed Ruth. And it just so happened that in all the people in that town, it, Boaz is not only a relative, he's a close relative, and therefore he is a guardian redeemer. This story in the book of Ruth uh, reminds me of when our eldest son finished university. So probably, I don't know, three, four months, or maybe even six months prior to him finishing university, he was searching for work and applying for jobs as most university students do. He applied for a job um, on a leadership program. He applied to be an intern at, on a leadership program at a ministry in Watford. So this interview, um, or the process around this job, had three stages. First, there was an online stage, which he passed. And then there was a telephone stage, which he passed. And then there was a third stage. And he came to me and talked to me about the third stage. And he said that they'd invited him to go for a little chat to Watford at the ministry offices. So we live in South End. So I said, OK, I'll drive you to Watford. So we drove to Watford, just him and I. And we got there early. And we walked through the town centre, sort of up and down, familiarising ourselves with it. And I remember saying to our son, are you sure this is just a chat? What if it's a, an interview, you know? What if they actually, it's a, a formal interview? He reassured me, no, no, mum. They said, come to Watford just for a chat. 
Now, the reason I was concerned was because he wasn't dressed for an interview. He had on his oldest pair of jeans, a T-shirt that had seen better days, and a pair of dusty boots. That was the whole outfit. As we arrive now to the door of the ministry offices, I um, see other young men going in, dressed in suits. And in that moment, I know this is a formal interview. Now, as we'd walked up and down Watford High Street, we'd walked past Moss Brothers. I don't know if you know that shop. It's like a formal wear. They do suits and wedding outfits and what have you. Everything in me wanted to take my credit card out of my purse, drag him into Moss Brothers, get him kitted out, and then sent into this interview. And I certainly would have done it. And I felt in my spirit, it was like an audible voice to me, no, don't do that. So our eldest son goes in. I don't go into Moss Brothers. I go and sit in my car. Now, I was sat in the car for several hours. It was a really long interview. Now, it just so happened that the last stage of the interview was between my son, the leader of the ministry, and his wife. So it just also so happened that the wife... She was talking to our son and she says to him, I notice you've got a tattoo. What does it say and what does it mean? Now, many of us can be against many things and sometimes people are against tattoos. And there are even companies in this country who won't employ people if they come to interview with visible tattoos. People can make all sorts of judgments about people before getting to know them. Anyway, he does have a tattoo blazoned along there. And in response to the wife's question, he said to her, the tattoo says Hisani, which means kindness in Swahili. It then just so happened that the wife said to him these words, that's amazing. You see, when my husband and I were called into the ministry and to come to Watford, we were given a prophetic word. And the word was, go and take my kindness to the community in Watford. It just so happened that that tattoo, I believe, as well as our son's attributes, secured that job and he worked in the ministry in Watford for many years and was very successful now, can you imagine if I had got in the way of what God was doing and as mum insisted that you dress properly because you're going into an interview, I don't think I'd be sharing this testimony here today. So the reason I share that is because if we want to co-work with God and bring hope to the people here in Southend and in our church community, we really need to have our eyes open and our spirit tuned to those just so happen moments in life. And Naomi certainly did. Naomi must have been watching what was going on. Ruth came in from work and she must have been thinking, ah, oh, what's going on here? And she came up with an intentional, strategic, purposeful plan. And I'm just gonna read for us again the first couple of verses from Ruth chapter three. Then Naomi, her mother-in-law said to her, my daughter, shall I not seek security for you, that it may be well with you? 
Now Boaz, whose young women you were with, is he not our relative? In fact, he is winnowing barley tonight at the threshing floor. Therefore, wash yourself and anoint yourself. Put on your best garment and go down to the threshing floor. Now, the thing that really stands out for me from those verses is that Naomi's strategy, it's not just physical, it's symbolically spiritual. Because Naomi encourages Ruth to wash herself. And I feel that that speaks of being washed with the water of the word, as the Apostle Paul tells us in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 26, which really means examining ourselves, letting the word of God govern how we behave, govern our desires, govern our motives. And Naomi encouraged Ruth to anoint herself, which speaks of the enabling of Holy Spirit. And then she says to her, put on your best clothes, which speaks of living a righteous life. Naomi has reawakened to the unchanging truth that God is good. And she remembers, doesn't she, I think, the, the stories that she has heard, the experiences that she's had, and the loving kindness of God. And that compassion spills over. It literally bubbles up inside of her, and her love for Ruth is to just do the best by Ruth and want the best for Ruth, her daughter-in-law. The fact that Naomi even has a strategy really tells us something. If you are depressed and you feel hopeless, overwhelmed and helpless, your mind cannot even conceive a strategy. You just can't think about that, that future because you stay kind of really in, the, in the, the emotions that you're kind of trapped in. But Naomi, co-working with what God was doing, came up with this wonderful strategy that overflows with hope. Now, as I bring this little talk to a close here, I want to remind us of something. When the book of Ruth was written, the world was really, really dark. It was in a really, really dark place. People just did what they felt like doing, whatever they liked. Not dissimilar to the world that we live in now. But it's in the darkest of times that the light of Jesus shines the brightest. And I love the fact that our worship started with that song this morning, Shine, Jesus, Shine. In the book of Ruth, we see an ordinary person, a foreigner, a refugee, a childless widow, seizing a God-given opportunity. We see Ruth being given the opportunity to hear the word of God because she sits and she listens and I imagine her sitting with Naomi and Naomi's sharing the scriptures. And I believe, as many of us do in here, I know, that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. We see Ruth getting the opportunity to serve and please God. She was gleaning in the harvest field. And for Christians everywhere, we know that the Lord tells us in the Bible that the harvest is plentiful and the workers are few. And that we are to pray that the Lord would send out more workers into that harvest field. And at the end of the book, which I'm sure Mike will touch on next week, we see Ruth receiving her full reward because she comes under the wings of the God of Israel. She takes refuge there. 
Throughout the Bible, we see that wherever there is a need, God has a plan. And our Lord Jesus confirms this to us in uh, Matthew chapter six, when he said to the disciples, and he is saying it to us today, your heavenly father already knows all your needs. Seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously and he will give you everything you need. God loves us, every single one of us. He can't help himself because he is love. And he has a unique plan for every single person's life. Whether you feel it, whether you believe it, it's the truth. He has a plan for our lives. And when God intervenes in the life of Ruth, it affects not just Ruth and Naomi and Boaz, it affects the entire human race because Ruth is a direct ancestor of Jesus Christ. God meets their needs, God meets our needs. He meets the needs of humanity, stuck in sin and death, in need of a saviour, in need of a guardian redeemer, our Lord Jesus Christ. So how do we bring hope to this city of Southend? I think that we just need to encourage one another to have a strong, a really, really strong sense of hope in the goodness and the loving kindness of God. I feel that we need to just always remember that we should do the right thing, the appropriate thing, and acknowledge always that God is sovereign, he's merciful, and he's loving, and he just wants the best for his people that he has made. And I also think that we need to be obedient to God's will and to God's ways. Be really, really walking in step with the Spirit of God in our day-to-day -day lives, in every interaction. The book of Ruth shows us that God works through all people, regardless of sex, gender, race, nationality, um, whether they are financially well-off or poor, he works through all people. And his plans often emerge in unlikely places with unlikely people. So I just wanna end with this really. I think that we have a call on our lives to partner with God in his glorious mission to Southend and to the entire world. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we ask that you would give us eyes to see where you are at work in our city. Would you help us to be sensitive to those just so happened moments in life? And Lord, may your mission become our all-consuming motivation. And may your compassion move us beyond ourselves, Lord. And may your great commission be reignited in our hearts this day, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.